Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Steps Back, a podcast all about history. Today we are going to be talking about the country of America before Donald Trump, before McDonald's and before the NFL. There was, of course, Native Americans. Yes. (laughs) I'm joined again by history extraordinaire Chelsea. Uh, How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Still in lockdown at the moment. Yep, lockdown. On on current recording of these podcasts. Uh, So that's still going on. But gives us opportunity to record and to impart our wisdom. I say our wisdom, I mean your wisdom. But um, there you go. So, Native Americans, where do we start? We could start in many different places. Um, America. (laughs) Geographically, yes, we're going to be starting in America. Um, We often think of Native Americans as a kind of subgroup, which is quite small and not having as big an impact as really they they do and they should. Um, So thousands of years before Christopher Columbus and him going and kind of discovering America and going to the Bahamas, um, a different group of people actually discovered America. And these were the nomadic ancestors of the modern Native Americans who would have hiked from a land bridge from Asia to what is now known as Alaska more than 12,000 years ago. They hiked from Asia to Alaska. Yeah, so when we're looking at like the geographical side of things, the whole world a long, long time ago would have been connected. And due to the movement of the tectonic plates, it's meant that the land has spread out and it's changed shape. Now, this happens very, very slowly. Um, but prior to this movement, we were connected, which is why you mm. can see different species in different areas and they change. So when we're looking at like animal forms, they change and we as humans will also change because we are animal based. So like British people will have got will have lots of connections with Europeans because of the geographical area. So we can see that in humanity as well. But still a hike from Asia to Alaska wouldn't just have been a walk in the park kind of thing. It would have been cold. <laughs> very very cold mm. um, it would have been difficult but it was a place for them to be able to go and settle and people guess that about 50 million people lived in the Americas before Europeans went and settled it mm. I'm using settled in what's they called uh, invaded yeah I would yeah because these people were living there first yeah. so and then Europeans go and claim it yeah for their, their own, own. Um, as a result obviously lots of people know about the Thanksgiving story so the idea that when um, some of the people coming over from Britain went and landed in America the Native Americans helped the British to be able to settle and to be able to look after themselves because they weren't used to that terrain and to be able to grow things um, and I think that's the kind of part of the idea of Thanksgiving what sort of time frame are we looking at here? So Christopher Columbus was around the period of fourteen, late 1400s, so we're looking at 600 years odd ago when the first kind of Europeans were going over. Mm. Uh, the first ones were Spanish and there was a lot of trading to do with the Spanish with Native Americans. Um, we kind of skipped though. Um, oh, so with these people that came over to America from Asia mm-hmm. and through Alaska, 
Um, like we see with other kind of humans, they adapt and they evolve because obviously you're adapting to the environment that you live in. Um, the same with animals because we are an animal form. Um, the same things happens for them. So as they were kind of going and going to different areas in America, so you have um, Native Americans in, in all different areas, they were starting to develop different skills and adapting to the environments that they found themselves in. So um, about 10 million lived in the area that would now become known as the United States. And as time passed, these migrants and their descendants pushed south and east, adapting as they kind of went in order to kind of keep track. Lots of people kind of put them in different geographical areas. So we might kind of see the people in the plains as one group of people because they follow similar cultural patterns. Um, we also have them in the southwest, northwest plateau areas, California. They're Native Americans all over America, but they've got very different cultural and living habits. So those on the plains will be nomadic, which means that they move around and they're going to be following the buffalo because that's the main source of food, their sustenance. Whereas those in the northeast, northwest, they're going to have a very different sort of kind of culture because they're living in an area where they've got access to woodland so they're going to have more stationary houses because they can have that so they're adapting very much to the cult cultural area that they're in so we're going to see different cultures come about from the Native Americans at this particular point. Mm. And there's still some uh, families that, that live that particular sort of lifestyle still today don't they? Yeah and I mean I think there's Unfortunately, there's a lot of them have gone. That's what we're going to kind of look at today. Mm. But um, a lot of them lived in certain areas and there's still people who kind of look back to their roots. But unfortunately, due to some of the things that happened to Native Americans, as America grows, it then begins to see that actually their culture almost changes and they have to either adapt or they die out because um, unfortunately the United States of America was a little bit aggressive in their policies towards Native American and indigenous people's culture. Mm. So they they didn't really get on in a sense. They couldn't kind of live next to each other as neighbours as such. Not as um, friendly neighbours who get on and just live and cohabit next to each other because the way in which Native Americans use their land and how they respect the land is very different from that of the white Americans kind of culture as we kind of see it mm. their attitude to the land is very different in what way? Um, so it depends on, like I said there's a diverse culture so it's not one particular culture fits all because they are very different people with very different cultures, very different uh, living systems just everything is very different depending on which tribe you're looking at but if you're looking at the Plains tribes, well, they don't believe in things like farming as much because back originally they saw that farming the land was damaging the land because you're taking something from it and you're trying to make it into something else and that's hurting the land. So originally they wouldn't have farmed because seeing it as like taking from the land and not getting giving anything back, um, that then changes with time because they have to farm to survive. Mm. So I was going to say, what what would they do for trade or, you know, just So just when work? the Spanish came over, they brought over lots of different horses and guns and things like that. So they were starting to trade with those and they would trade buffalo, um, parts from the buffalo with those in the Spanish to be able to kind of survive and cohabit with them. There was 
obviously violence during that time because obviously you've got a large number of people who are adapting and changing you are going to see skirmishes but nothing compared to what happens when kind of america is founded united states of america is founded mm. so the people in the plains are quite happy just trading as they are but uh, they're not really farming much not really farming very much uh, so these are just to give you some examples because it's not all of them this is where it's really difficult because when we're looking at a group of people these are different depending on the culture uh, so you've got Lakota Sioux which is a massive group that lives on the plain you've got the Apache you've got the Cheyenne um, there are different tribes as well further up so just so that you can kind of get the idea that there are actually quite vast um, if we look at some of the areas where we're looking at kind of the plains it goes up I think the crow are in that area I'd have to double check when we talk about the plains what type of area would that look like um, in today's sort of map of America um so in terms of the map today we can look at areas so where the Lakota would have been I'm imagining close to where South Dakota Nebraska kind of is my geography isn't my strongest point so if I am slightly off I'm sorry um, the areas also of like Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, those would have been areas where the plains would have been. So it's quite a large area and it's that central part of America before you get to the mountain ranges, okay. like the Rocky Mountains. So sort of central um, central USA to the north kind of area. Yeah, so it kind of that central area. It would have been very grassy, it would have been very open, it wouldn't have been the best land to settle in because of the fact it's so open and there's not that many resources close by like resources I'm meaning woodland and lots coast. of rivers and coast there mm. isn't that so you kind of have to live nomadically if you're living in that sort of land mm. because or else you're, you're not going to survive Yeah. so these are people who are very able to adapt to the situation that they're in and they're very well kind of thought of in those particular areas um, they've got skills for that kind of area, that kind of uh, landscape. Yeah, and their culture lends to it. So, I mean, of the big kind of tribes that we might see, you might see Lakota Sioux, which I've already mentioned, but there's smaller ones. So, um, my pronunciation is going to be bad. Omaha is the tribe. Pawnee is another one. Uh, Kanzakor. So, you can see some of the names almost of the, some of the states almost coming from some of these names that we mm. kind of hear um there were loads of tribes and a lot of different cultures went with those and unfortunately a lot of those aren't almost visible in american society today which is kind of something sad or mm. part, kind of part of that history that we kind of see mm. okay. okay so they're happy yep. living their own way of yep. life and uh, but they now start to see that um, there's an influx of Europeans yep. coming into uh, North America. Yeah, and we're going to see kind of things changing now quite drastically and quite quickly. Hmm. So if we kind of... There are skirmishes with many different kind of people coming over. So the Spanish, which I've already mentioned, the French also have land in America. So lots of places have colonies in america we have the spanish we have the french the british 
they all are taking part so it's not like one particular people are solely to blame and I think that's kind of something that's quite important when we're looking at this but I will be looking at kind of the growth of America United States of America as a superpower and how that impacts the Native Americans because obviously it's going to have quite a large impact on the Native Americans unfortunately um I don't know how much you know about the American War of Independence against the British not too much no so um as time goes on obviously the British have settled that land um slowly the identity of those people actually become much more different to the British and that some of them start to believe that they should have their own rights and they shouldn't be ruled by the king in England when they live in America they mm. believe they should have their own say they don't want to be part of Amer um, British politics anymore they want to be a separate country and they want to be America a land of freedom and independence so we see in the war of independence which goes on in the 1700s and the British fight against the Americans and to try and gain control and keep them as part of the empire the British empire um, this doesn't really go very well um, as we are aware obviously for the British they don't they don't win this war of independence the Americans win um, which arguably probably a beneficial thing for America to grow and become a superpower because or else the very history of that would have changed completely mm -hmm. um, but the Britain actually worked with the Native Americans because the Native Americans had land which the British owned and the British allowed them to kind of keep even though it was their land this is where it gets complicated um, so the land to the northwest of the original 13 colonies which are places like Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New York, New Jersey, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Those are your original 13. There's a few more. Um, the lands to the northwest was kind of supported the British side. Um, and there were tribes, Native American tribes, that supported the British in their conquest because the British said that they would allow them to keep that land. So these are the tribes of like Miami. Again, a name that you might Tribes know. of Miami. The tribes of Miami, not like we imagine nowadays. No. Um, and that was because that the British had agreed not to expand into those lands and keep them for the Native Americans. So in 1783, however, the British lose. Okay, mm -hmm. so they lose the War of Independence. And as part of a peace treaty in 1783, um, they actually gave over 230 million acres of Indian land to the United States of America. Okay. So this is kind of the beginning of a very negative relationship between white Americans and the indigenous people of America, hmm. the people who lived there first. Um, so at that, at that time, mm -hmm. um, would the indigenous people have been happy with the result of the war? No, because America now owns the land. The Indians didn't believe that they had been defeated in that war. The so British were. Previously, the British gave the indigenous people sort of quite a lot of freedom. And yeah, sense. and allowed them to keep their land and had said that they weren't going to expand into that area. Okay. But then... But once they'd when, lost the war, they gave that land over. Yeah, as part of the peace treaty. Mm. Which meant that basically it placed those people under the rules and government of the United States of America. Hmm which completely goes against 
what Native Americans, the indigenous people, actually felt was fair. So what do they want to use that land for? What, the Native Americans? No, the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> once, once the Once the sort of governments at the time of uh, the United States had hold of that land, what were their plans for it? So, first of all, um, it was separated into the Northwest Territory and the Southwest Territory, split by the River Ohio. Um, and they get frontiersmen to set up farms in Indian-held land. So remember what I said about farming? It goes against some of them, some of their cultures. Um, and this was the West of Virginia and the Carolinas, um, and that was before the War of Independence. As soon as that ends, they're going to spread that further and they're going to have frontiersmen going up into Indian land. They're going to be settling the land and there's going to be lots of attacks by the Native Americans because they're trying to defend their area and also by the people of the United States of America trying to expand because they want it. So we're going to see lots of bloody conflicts kind of coming about because of that. So not a good, not a good situation for them at the moment. No. Um, we then see America kind of become the United States of America. Um, in 1789, George Washington um, becomes president. So he's the first president of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And he honestly believes that there's going to be an attack by the Native Americans. So he then starts putting 80% of the government budget into a huge campaign against them. Mm. So as soon as he kind of pretty much... Well, it starts in 1791, but... It's very quickly after it becomes president, he's like, right, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about these Native Americans. I'm worried that they're going to attack. Um, and so as a result, they actually start... The Native Americans, he's worried that they're going to work with the British and try and take over America take again. So in 1794, the Indians are defeated at a battle which is called the Battle of Fallen Timbers, and that leads to the Treaty of Greenville. This allows the USA to take kind of large areas of the Northwest Territory under its control and actually moved more and more people there. So we're beginning to see the restriction in that eastern side of America coming for those kind of Native Americans on that eastern side, which is quite appalling, really. Hmm. Those are is the tribes gone. Any signs that George Washington at the time should have been? Um afraid of a kind of revolt at the time were were there they were having conflicts Mm. white americans with the native americans Mm. but that's because the white americans are going into native american lands yeah and they were doing that even before the british had signed it over Mm. so already they're taking a bit more than they probably should have yeah at that point which i know that we're probably going to get some hit back because of that but like, but they're saying, you know, we've been here. This is our land, and it's been our land for thousands of yeah. thousands of years. Mm. Yes, and you are quite new in this area. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, quite understandably, they're not they're not too happy with that. No, and I mean, we're looking at the tribes here of the Shawnee, the um, Miami, Ottawa. We've got lots of different tribes kind of in that area that are going to be feeling a little bit kind of vulnerable. I mean, the area of the 13 states, one large group, which was Micmac, they've already been kind of pushed out of their area. We're already seeing quite a lot of them being pushed inwards. 
and it's only going to unfortunately get worse for them as America begins to grow as a power. Mm. So, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Mm. Okay. Not too good for them then. No, and I imagine it doesn't get any better. No, um, <laughs> I mean, eventually the areas of the Northwest Territory, they're going to become new states. We see Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, they're going to be formed out of those territories um, all between the years of 1803 to 1837. We're going to see new states in the Southwest Territory as well. Some examples would be Alabama, Kentucky, Mississippi. All of those are being added to America. So America now is growing really fast in the number of states it has. Um but obviously that means that those Native Americans that were living in those areas are now being pushed westwards or definitely out of those areas mm. and they're going to be then going into other Native American lands of cultures that they don't often get along with, mm. don't have some similarities if they're living by the coast mm. and they're being pushed inland, the whole of their culture is going to be completely changed. Mm. So you're going to see now conflicts between the Native Americans who are kind of almost... Some of them struggling to survive and struggling to almost live in the way in which they're being pushed out and being forced to live. And those that are trying to protect their own land because they don't want people coming in and taking over. And you're going to see this almost competition for resources, which unfortunately leads to conflicts between the Native Americans. Mm. Themselves? Yeah. Between themselves? Because it's if somebody was coming into your land, you'd want to protect it. Hmm. it's the same there especially if you've got a competition for the resources if there isn't that many resources around you're going to have a bit of competition and that's not every tribe some of them are very welcoming and helped this is where cultural differences if we, you could look at one particular tribe and look at the history of that if we're doing more varied there is going to be differences between this but there were conflicts at this point and presumably these big tribes which held you know thousands of people yeah. tens of thousands of people maybe uh, quite large groups they were large groups but they subdivided depending on the group that you're looking at because they wouldn't have obviously moved around and i was going to say they're they're not uh going off and traveling as one tribe now they're all splitting off they weren't doing that anyway so okay. a lot of the tribal things they would have gotten together for certain bits but they would have lived separately in mm. large groups but mm. it still would have been separate they wouldn't have gone around as like the Lakota Sioux were separated into neighborhoods sort of thing. different bands yeah kind of like neighborhoods if we're looking at a very modern term yeah okay so they're they're off moving around looking for resources looking for new land for them to settle yeah what happens now um, so something even worse happens. Oh. Um, so we'll start before the bad thing that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> um, in 1783, obviously that land that the British gave um, to the west of the Appalachian Mountains kind of becomes part of the United States. So I said about some of the territories and some of the states that were created from that. Mm -hmm. um, but we do actually see some of the tribes, some of the Native American people trying to kind of almost assimilate with the white Americans and become a part of their culture so that they're kind of living and cohabiting with each other. Um, so this is where I say some of them, we're going to see different responses and different reactions. So we've got people like the Creeks, the Choctaws, Chickasaws, Seminoles, Cherokee, 
kind of they try and almost assimilate to the assimilate's the wrong word they try to almost live alongside and live with cohabit yeah cohabit with the people um with the white americans and that's kind of happening in the 1800s mm-hmm. um we then see them either trying to work together so this is like adapting to the white culture so for example the cherokee they model their economy and their government on the u.s system to try and almost kind of build themselves a similar sort on of on the culture. same path yeah so that they could work alongside the white americans mm-hmm. and they even make themselves a capital city which is called a kota i might pronounce that wrong and they also create an alphabet so that they can have written communication as well so we are seeing them trying to kind of adapt um and more and more cherokees are able to read and write and they're trying to kind of pay, take part of with the neighboring whites and this led to kind of even their own newspaper being created the cherokee phoenix and we see kind of the cherokee kind of really adapting and we also see the Creeks, Choctaws, Chicksaws and Seminoles also trying to do this. They're creating schools, churches, they're trading in the national economy. Um, some of them even own slaves. So African-Americans come being brought over. Mm-hmm. But despite the efforts that they kind of do, it didn't save them and it didn't save their homelands. Okay. Because Why was that? They're trying so, their best to um, you know, cohabit, like I said, and and work and live alongside these white uh, Americans at the same time. Yeah, so another person becomes president. Now, Andrew Jackson is unimpressed by the Indian tribes and particularly unimpressed with the fact that they're trying to almost kind of copy and go in with the culture. He's the seventh president. Seventh? Oh my gosh, I was so wrong. (laughs) Oops. Uh... (laughs) My numbers were wrong. Um, so he actually is un- unimpressed. He is convinced that the cotton planters should be allowed to take over their land and should be able to kind of create more slaves and slavery growing in those areas. Um, and as a result, he manages to persuade Congress in 1830 to pass the Indian Removal Act. Indian Removal Act? What do you think oh. that involves? Well kind of what it says on the tin really <laughs> yeah <laughs> removal of indians in terms of an act yeah so it basically is meant to be voluntary but as soon as you put an act like that into law it goes beyond voluntary i feel because if it was voluntary you wouldn't need to put an act in hmm that, that's kind of what I feel. You can imagine how that act was passed in Congress. It was probably sold to them that, you know, these Native Americans are doing really bad things and they're costing money or costing trade or costing industry and that kind of thing. I don't know how they managed to do it, but he, he did it. He managed mm. to persuade them. Um, and it basically said that if, let's say I was a Native American and I wanted some land and you were a white American and you wanted to set up a cotton plantation on the land that we're disputing over, well, you'd get it. I'd have no opportunity because I was a Native American, so it would give, basically, the white Americans the land over the Native Americans. So Mm -hmm. 
it supports the white settlers rather than the tribes. Um, and we see the tribes of the Choctaws, Chickasaws and Creeks quickly press, kind of pressured into signing and began moving westwards and they were kind of moved out of the area that they had been living in which was just above where Florida is. This is when I need a map of the United States. Um, so just above, I know that Florida is that bottom bit, but those, <laughs> <laughs> I know that bit. Um, those tribes were being pushed into an Indian territory a bit kind of past the Mississippi River. So you've got so, Georgia above Florida and South Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah, it's the southeastern states. They're being pushed out of that and they're being pushed into an Indian territory just past the Mississippi River. So completely going, again, changing their culture, completely changing the way in which they're living. Mm. So we have some reactions and we're going to now start to see some violence kind of happening because of this. You can't really... Well, that was always going to happen, wasn't it? Yeah. If, if you're going to push these people to their limit, really. Yeah, and if you're trying to push them out of a land that they've lived in for centuries, mm. thousands of years, you you're gonna kind of get a, a violent reaction yeah it might be very non-violent at the beginning but eventually it's gonna turn into something because i mean i don't want to be pushed from my own home people don't want to be pushed out of their area mm. yeah not just your home though like this is everything you know, being told to move i don't know how many hundreds of miles away maybe more in america um and and just completely leave the sort of landscape and the lifestyle that they've known for so long to to do something completely new. Yeah. And I mean it's there's a large number of them who are going to suffer and we we're going to talk about some of the big groups of tribes but there's a lot of smaller tribes who are almost not even written about it's there's a lot of research that has to go into them. Hmm. Well, they're not getting a thank you card, you know, thank you for moving on. We really appreciate it now mm. that we've got your land. Thank you for the land. Yeah. See you later. Yeah, see you later. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> um, okay, so, so violence is, is now kicking off. Yeah, um, we do see something a bit beneficial. So in 1831 and 1832, the Cherokee, so that was one of the groups that I talked about, they are... Quite a famous the... one, that, isn't it? Yes, and I'll talk about the reason why they're quite famous. Mm. I mean, some of them still exist, which I think kind of is a testament to some of the, like kind of their spirit. Mm. Um, they take the state of Georgia to the Supreme Court, which is the highest kind of court in America, if you're unsure. Um, and they basically accuse them of ignoring the rights of the Cherokee people. And the judge actually agrees and says that they are distinct. The judge, I think, is Judge Marshall... He says that they are actually a separate nation and they have a, they're have a distinct political society. But there's a so that that's quite a good thing and recognises them as a different state and has an own political kind of society. But he says that they're dependent on the US. Okay, and that they need the US to look after them mm. and to make decisions for them because mm. they're the protectors of them. Okay, and in doing so. It almost sets a new standard for how to deal with the Native Americans. From now on, they're going to be treated like children. 
okay. you, you need to do this. It's it's for the beneficial of you. Mm. For the best interests of you. Mm. It's almost like taking away completely their freedom. Mm. By that one statement, it always says, well, they're childlike. They can't deal with that. These are people who have adapted amazingly to the different cultures coming in. They've helped people settle in America. And yet, now they're being treated like children. Mm. It's almost despicable the way in which that was kind of passed. Yeah. So, if we... Don't worry, I'll I'll go for the Cherokee first. So the Cherokee, I think, a reason why they are quite famous is because of what then happens to them. So in 1835, um, the editor of the Cherokee Phoenix and another kind of few leaders, they actually decide to sign a treaty with the US government. And they agree to move to the Indian Territory past the Mississippi River. Okay? So mm-hmm. those people have decided that's what they want to do. However, 15,000 Cherokee, which is nearly the whole of that population, signed a petition rejecting the treaty as kind of like a fraud and didn't agree with it. Mm. So that's okay. the majority of them. Yes, some of their leaders have chosen to go, from the editor of their newspaper has chosen to go to this territory Hmm. but the majority of them don't agree with it and don't want therefore to move yep so they've done something right they did a petition so this is peaceful they're trying to do it in a peaceful way yeah to kind of keep their rights and this is only five years after the indian removal act however in the spring of um, 1838 7,000 u.s army troops arrive and they force the cherokee okay over 1500 15,000 people to go into concentration camps Mm. okay so just so that you can get that concentration camps when the winter came they were forced on a march across the country to the Indian territory they were physically moved and marched across the country to go to that territory which they had petitioned not to go to as they didn't believe in the treaty Mm. On that force march, because of the cold conditions, because of illnesses and lack of resources, lack of food, between four and five thousand Cherokee die. Okay, and that march out of the fifteen out of the fifteen thousand, and well, actually, it kind of goes up. Actually, it's about eighteen thousand by the time that they're marching, mm-hmm. um, due to the growth of the number of people. So it's kind of seen as like a death march, and they co- they call this march the Trail of Tears. And that is something that's very famous. Mm-hmm. They kind of then, when they actually get there, those that signed the treaty for the Cherokee were murdered because they had led to the deaths of between four and 5,000 Cherokee. Mm. So they had kind of forcibly removed these people. So that's a Cherokee. But obviously there were four other groups that had tried to kind of cohabit and tried to kind of live among the white Americans. Mm-hmm. So we also see other kind of events happening. We have the Seminole Wars. So the group of Seminoles, they were trying to fight against Americans and trying to keep their land. And they didn't see that anybody signing the treaty and going to the Indian Territory as correct. So they have these wars that kind of continue on. However, the end of those wars are actually, they lose. Obviously, the Americans have a lot more firepower. They have a lot more abilities. They've got a lot more people. So the United States they win a couple of them they lose a couple of them the last of the seminal wars they actually lose 
So the third war, which was fought between 1855 and 1858 for the USA to remove the Seminoles across the Mississippi, the Seminole population was reduced to 200 and the United States actually just paid the remaining Seminoles to move west because they just was a bit fed up of paying for this war. Mm. So those 200 people, unfortunately, they just paid off and just told to move after fighting wars very continually for those 1858 20 odd years 20 years yeah yeah 23 years because i think the first one was around 1830s so yeah they've they've fought for that many years Mm. and the rest of them are just paid off but obviously there was a huge death toll that Mm. came with that um another group the creeks they do sign a treaty in 1832 which gave over pretty much a large proportion of Alabama land to the, to the white people. Um, and each creek was promised land in a new area. Um, but unfortunately, the creeks complained to the Alabama government because they aren't given that land um, and they refused to let this white settlers come. As a result, the creeks began stealing livestock and crops from the white settlers. And some of them actually murdered and set fire to lots of land. Um, and the US government is called in and in 1836 they actually have the Secretary of War kind of ordering the removal of the Creeks and by 1837 15,000 had moved west so we didn't see them successfully kind of going against them Mm. all in all by the time that we're in 1838 46,000 Indians no sorry Native Americans 38 46,000 no the year yeah, 1838. Okay. So eight years after the Indian Removal Act. Okay. And it didn't take long. Yeah. 46,000 had been moved. Hmm. And they'd gained 25 million extra bits of land. 25 mm. million acres. That's quite a sad decline in their, um, well, in their land, really. Yeah, their ability, their culture, mm. everything. It's just completely destroyed and obviously they're then being moved if we were going past the Mississippi River we're looking at the uh, Arafo being kind of squeezed, the Comanche being squeezed you you know we've got these tribes that are kind of almost being completely squashed by the fact that those tribes are coming in I'm going to do no justice to the names of some of the other groups (laughs) (laughs) are you going to try? no okay (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, that was the big ones, though. Uh, those were the big ones in the south east. east. Yeah. So they all got pushed west. Yeah. Or some of them, the smaller groups, would have died out mm. because of the result of the white Americans. Mm. Okay, not a good situation for them. No. Was there was there ever a turning point at this? time in terms of um, changing presidents and that kind of thing did anyone else see see them differently I don't think anybody was preferential to them by this point it was sort of um, us and them us versus them it was a it was a culture thing it was a mindset thing that wasn't going to be changed yeah hmm okay <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> I want to be more positive about it, but there's just well, no it's kind of testament to those those small groups that have survived today and are still living um, in very small areas in, in reservations areas as the the traditional Native American lifestyle. It's probably those that have seen 
they have lineage and history as uh, within Native American families. So they've almost tried to go back and, and start that up again, I imagine. I don't know for more than a day. I haven't mm. done as much research into it. Mm. Um, I think there are definitely quite a few small um, families and neighbourhoods out there that, that still live that lifestyle. Yeah, I, it's just, it's sad to the extent that a large number of it was destroyed. Okay, so there's a lot more to come. Oh, America's only in the east at this point. What's in the west? They haven't gone and settled that area, so Native Americans still. Okay. <laughs> Indigenous people. So the states go up to east to middle uh, America. Ish, yeah. They've, they've grown quite a considerable amount. Mm. It's They've got areas such as uh, Louisiana. So that's quite far towards the middle. Uh, they are beginning to settle kind of lots of different areas, but it's not fully settled yet. And then once you get to the west of America, of the USA now, uh, it's all still tribal regions. At this point in 1838, pretty much, yes. Okay. <laughs> but we saw we saw over the 20 years after that the the removal of Native Americans from their land and they're being pushed further and further west. Yeah. Okay. So we're at that stage now. In 1838, they've been pushed westwards. Yeah. So in 1845, journalists and politicians begin to publish that the Americans have a manifest destiny to go and settle the whole of the north of America. And Christians believe that it's God's mission for them to go and convert the Native Americans to Christianity. Uh-huh. Change their religion completely. No <laughs> more belief in the Great Spirit. No more beliefs in spirits and things like that. They should become Christians. And that is what their so role they've is. It, they've got it That's wrong all this time. That's what white Americans believe that they should do. Mm. So we see white Americans now moving to the plains and moving westwards to try and make sure that this is fulfilled and that these Native Americans... Change. Don't worry, Native Americans. They All your troubles you. will be gone soon because we're here to save you. Yeah. Even more than we've tried to save you already. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we go, we're going to see things changing now. Um, we see, obviously, you may know something about this, you may not. Uh, we see the California Gold Rush. So people move over to California, which is on the far west. Um, because they've heard gold is there. Amazing gold is there. Mm. Fantastic. So in 1848 to 1849, there's a massive gold rush and people swarm to yeah. go and get gold. Get and on your horse and cart. Get across to the west coast of... Or, or and the believe me, it's a horrible journey. Area. Forget about the fact that you've got risks of like the mountain ranges. You've got severe weather warning kind of conditions. Some people freeze in the mountain mm. ranges. Some turn to cannibalism because they get stuck there and they've lacked resources they didn't plan their journey well enough so it's a horrible journey so testament to anyone who made that journey because I don't imagine it was very much fun yeah if you um, lose your horses along the way it's a long walk it's not horses you wouldn't use a horse 
What would they use? Oxen. Oxen. Sturdy. It's more sturdy. Um, <laughs> and we do actually see some of the Native Americans kind of taking part in this California gold rush. There's an opportunity. You can get rich. And they are trading, remember, with white people. They have that trade. And with some of the people and some of the migrants that are moving westwards, they are having some trade. Um, so we actually see, though, unfortunately, the 49ers, which are the names given to the people who went over to California Gold Rush and settled in that first few years, um, they actually drove some of the Indians into the mountain ranges and shot them dead with very little thought. So we see quite a lot of violence towards Native Americans, the idea of competition for the resources. Mm. Then there's another gold rush. So once the gold runs out in the California, there's another gold rush 10 years later in Pikes Peak. Again, we see that Native Americans are going there as well. Um, But because of the fact that there are these gold rushes happening towards the West, unfortunately, that means that there's more and more white people coming onto those lands which are owned by the Native Americans. Mm. That's going to happen. Mm. And so Kansas, which we know of, Colorado, those territories, which are territories at this point, they're not states, they are going to actually have more and more people coming and they're going to be settling. And so cities like Denver have created in these areas. And these are in areas where the Arafo and Cheyenne live. And that means that there's more competition for the land, the grazing land for the animals that the white Americans are going to be bringing, and also competition for the buffalo. Remember, these tribes follow the buffalo. Mm. They live on the buffalo. Their homes are made from buffalo hide. Everything is to do with the buffalo. So there's suddenly lots of competition. So the Native Americans that were living close to these, these uh, where, where this gold is, were they mining for this gold already? Did they know it was there? Uh, the Native Americans weren't mining for it, no. So mm. <laughs> they hadn't found it? Um, it was white Americans who publicised it. Mm. They, might, they may have known that was there, though. May have, yeah. But, but they wouldn't have attached and... value to it, would you? And for a lot of them, some of these are in the mountains, which they hold a lot of spiritual value for some of the Native American tribes. Mm. So like the Black Hills of, I want to say Dakota. I might have to Google that. But the Black Hills of Dakota, I think it's Black Hills of Dakota. Um, they actually have really important symbolic reference and spiritual meaning to the Native American tribes in that area. So that means that they're going to have, they're not want, going to want to destroy those areas. They're not going to want people travelling through it. Yeah, Dakota. Huh, woohoo! Or South Dakota. Uh, my geographical knowledge is not that great. <laughs> Comes up with a song if you Google it. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, yeah, we obviously see more and more kind of conflict going on and America is spreading westwards and it's beginning to grow and people are migrating. Um, so as a result, we're going to see an increased amount of conflict again. Hmm. Yeah. Thumbs up. So, um, we see the creation of the railways across America. So, Abraham Lincoln, he's quite a famous president. He promises um, the trans... Is it transcontinental? Sounds That sounds more European. Yeah. Transnational uh, railway. So he basically promises a railway that's going to go across the whole of America to help aid trade and try and make sure that people can settle that land in America. Um, as a result, they're obviously going through Native American plain lands. Well, no, transcontinental railway. Transcontinental. Cool. I thought because it's a continent. It makes 1869. 
Yeah. Cool. Um, so these railways are built, and that meant that more and more people are going onto the plains, which is where the Lakota live, the mm. Cheyenne, the Arafoe. They're all living there. So now suddenly, more and more white people are settling, living, and coming into conflict with those Native Americans. Now, obviously, we're going to see different reactions to these, but we're going to have homesteaders who are moving there and they're trying to live in these really harsh conditions. The plains aren't easy to live. And we're going to see, unfortunately, some conflict on the plains. Mm. So one of the biggest conflicts that we see um, at the very beginning stage is Little Crow's War, which is between 1861 and 1862, which is with a Native American group called the Santee Sioux. And that was because they were forced to give up 28 million acres of land in exchange for land in a small reservation in Minnesota. Hmm. Okay. Now, they did that. They gave over that land. They moved to the reservation. But in the summer of 1862, there was a severe lack of food. So the Sioux, the Santee Sioux, were kind of faced with that kind of threat of starvation. And many were starving. So they actually trying kind of wanted a bit of help from the americans because in the reservation the land that they'd been given it wasn't very good for farming it was poor quality land it's not a culture that is used to farming anyway and they asked for help and the person who they spoke to um the u.s government liaison person the person trying to run the reservation Mm -hmm. um he told little crow the chief of that that tribe uh if your people are hungry let them eat grass or their own dung <sighs> that was his response okay. that is his attitude towards the native americans so we're seeing white americans attitude towards them not being the most sympathetic the people are starving mm. they want something to eat mm. pretty basic and the response is eat grass or your own dung mm. it's not particularly pleasant and very they were quickly, treating them like children now treating them like animals yeah it's just <laughs> deteriorating really quickly and it's going to result in a lot of violence because obviously they ask nicely could they have food a basic necessity of humans hmm. we need food to survive yeah um so the santi sioux attacked farms and towns locally locally to them and i think 500 around 500 settlers were killed during that kind of skirmish because they were angry and the person, the trader that US official, whatever kind of name they give to him he actually was found dead with his mouth full of grass Um, so I think that was a little statement they got got irony then the Native Americans Um, (laughs) when the Minnesota soldiers fought back, he a little crow and the Santee Sioux did retreat up to the River Valley um, and on the 23rd of September he, surra- he was surrounded and killed. The US soldiers cut off his head, the scalp and put them on public display. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there was always going to be a big retaliation from that. Yeah. And I think they probably knew that was going to be the case. Yeah. But that maybe was their only option at the time. Yeah, uh, I think the US reaction to cut off the head of the chief of the Santi Sioux and scalp him and put the scalp on public display. Um, Extreme. Nasty. Mm. 
um, wants to fight. But they're making a big statement there. Yeah, and it's sending out a message to Native Americans: don't mess around, mm. listen to what we say. Mm. Um, so again, it, this is 1860s. We're still quite far away, but it's really violent. And once the violence is over, they actually put 300 Santi Sioux on trial and sentence them to death. Um, the trials, I think it was meant to be that they were executed by hanging, but actually Abraham Lincoln steps in at this point and he says, look, you, you can't do this. Um, and he says, only those who are accused of murder or rape will be executed. So actually only 38 Santi Sioux warriors were hanged um, publicly, but there were lots of cheering when they were hanged. So it's just nasty the whole idea of both of it it's just it's just not very nice but the way they're portrayed the native americans within u.s uh, culture u.s culture and you you know the media is something that's growing sort of at the time as well yeah so the way they're portrayed is um really negative enemy really yeah and i think it needs to be remembered that this land was theirs first yeah and i don't think that was portrayed that way at the time Hmm. I don't know how it is taught now. In I, America? Yeah. I don't know what it's taught at all. I'd like to think it was taught. I know it was taught. Well, I imagine so. You can get in touch if you're learning about Native Americans in America. <laughs> and what you learn. Um, so next, next, can we it's, see... It's still a big part of... Their history. The history. Yeah, I just don't know how the future... A lot of the names have survived. Yeah. And have come, states have been created from that era. Yeah. Not all, not all in a good light mm. from their creation, but the names come from there. Yeah. Not only states, you'll probably see cities and towns have names that were founded from the, the time of the Native Americans. Yes. Okay, moving on. Um, so moving on to 1864, so two years after Little Crow's War, um, we see the Sand Creek Massacre. Kind of clues in the name. Was it the last word there, massacre? Uh, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> Sand Creek. <laughs> so after we saw the kind of gold being discovered at Pikes Peak, we see more and more miners obviously going into those areas, so that's going a bit back. Um, and they're going into Cheyenne and Arafo land. As a result, the government forced the tribes into reservations. So again, we're seeing them being forced into reservations. And the Native Americans, actually, because of the land that they're given, again, it's poor quality. You can't grow a lot. They failed to make enough food to be able to live and have very little supplies. And the government accused them of being lazy. So... The by 1864, the Cheyenne warriors are forced to go outside of the reservation, which they're not allowed to do, to hunt to be able to feed their families so that they don't die. As a result, President Lincoln kind of gives the governor of Colorado permission to raise an army of volunteers to be able to stop them from hunting on the land. Um, these volunteers now, if you think about it, these are people men who are volunteering to help the government control the Native Americans. Mm. They're going to be kind of very negative towards the Native Americans and they're not going to be particularly nice about them or to them. 
so the they actually don't get any violence towards the Native Americans because the Cheyenne people don't want violence they're wanting peace so the Cheyenne wanted peace the governor was not really happy with this he wanted his men that he'd raised these hundred people these volunteers mm -hmm. to have some violence to have that ability to go out and have a battle is that what they volunteered for yeah go out and kill some native americans yeah <sighs> and i think mm. one of the quotes is what shall i do with the third colorado regiment if i make peace they've been raised to kill indians and they must kill indians and unfortunately a white settler was killed by a young cheyenne warrior um, and as a result, the third Colorado volunteers raised Backlash. up. Yeah, mm. by that one person that was killed and that one warrior who killed that person. So on the twenty ninth of November in eighteen sixty four, the third Colorado volunteers went down to where they were living in that reservation, and. The women and children who lived in that camp ran and screamed for cover. The leader, the chief, Black Kettle, uh, was sure of his peace agreement with the, with Colorado and the governor of Colorado, and kind of stood in the middle and said, "Look, they won't kill you. We've got peace. You know, don't worry. They've come. They're just gonna come and talk with us." Um, and he waved an American flag and said, "Don't be afraid." Um, but it was really clear that he was wrong as they got closer and closer they could hear apparently the voice of kill and scalp all big and little nits make lice and that was what the leader of the third colorado volunteers was said to have been saying mm. it was actually a preacher okay. a religious leader mm. was said to have been saying that as he went down mm. um by the end of that morning um, 105 Cheyenne women and children and 28 men were dead. So just so that you get those numbers again, 105 women and children, 28 men. Mm. Okay, so you can see who they're targeting there. Yeah, but the fact it's 28 men, clearly it wasn't an attack. It was... They weren't... The Native Americans weren't going out and attacking them. Well, they couldn't... Their they... men were away. You they know. targeted people who couldn't fight back. Yeah, which is them. really spineless. Hmm. Um, they then put the scalps and genitalia of the corpses on trophies and hat decorations for some soldiers. And they paraded. Hat decorations? Yeah. Oof. Yep. And the Rocky Mountain News, which was a newspaper in the local area, declared it as a victory um, and that they were covered in glory. I mean, personally... That's just shame, what they did there. Um, the triumph was short-lived, and actually, within a few months, the government did launch an investigation into what happened. Because it was recorded. 105 women and children. 28 men. I'm sorry, but that's that's not a battle. That's a slaughter. And unfortunately, it was. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we then move on. We have Red Cloud's War, which is in 1865 to 1868, so towards the end of the American Civil War. So just in context of what's going on, Sand Creek Massacre was during 
the American Civil War. Um, after the Sand Creek Massacre, Black Kettle moved the Southern Cheyenne to safer lands. They wanted away from where they were, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. That was a slaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them went to Wyoming, and some of them went to where the Lakota Sioux were living, which is another tribe. Um, and they kind of told these different tribes about the mutilation and the behaviour of the white Americans towards them. Which, understandably, you're going to. If that's happened to you and you've seen that slaughter, you're going to say what happened. You're mm. going to say it to the other tribes, which obviously leads into their fears. Those other tribes becoming fearful of what was going on. And in 1862, there was discovery of gold in Montana. And it led to warfare between the Lakota Sioux and the US Army. Because, again, you see gold being kind of a big factor here. Um, and as a result, the Native Americans led by Red Cloud, who was the chief of Lakota Sioux, began attacking travellers on the trail towards that gold um, in Montana, the Bozeman Trail. Um, there was an increasing amount of troops that were then sent to kind of reinforce that trail to make sure that it was safe for people to move to get to that gold rush, but it meant that you were obviously putting more and more troops into an area which was owned by the Lakota Sioux. Uh, during 1866, Red Cloud and a number of other Lakota leaders, including somebody called Crazy Horse, which I think is an amazing name, <laughs> uh, launched attack on US Army forts, and they actually begin to get some victories. So the Native Americans are getting victories against the US government and the US Army, which is mm-hmm. amazing. And Red Cloud's victories continue throughout 1867 and 1868. They sign in a treaty with America which is favourable to the Indians so we actually begin to see like this kind of really good the power shifting slightly yeah and it's kind of something that is really good and it's a humiliation for the US government they are humiliated with what's going on with Red Cloud's war but it continues and from 1868 the Native American conflict was handed over to General Sheridan and Sherman who were successful in the American Civil War so they kind of give the job to Mm. these two generals who are known to be very good at battles Mm. due to what they did during the American Civil War. Mm. And this therefore begins the Great Sioux War of 1875 and 1877. Okay. Okay, so one of the most famous battles, which I think you may even have heard of, is the Battle of Little Bighorn. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's one of the be able to tell you too much detail but that's all right because it's been it basically went down in history as like this kind of massive it's called the last stand of general george custer <laughs> okay so um in 1870 it was made into a film yeah yeah uh, there's been loads of documentaries on it you can watch so much to do with this one um because what happened was general george custer he was a very brave army general and he believed that his cavalry and his men could take Sitting Bull, which was the leader of the Lakota Sioux band that they were looking after, um, and they believed that they could take it, and they believed that they would defeat them mm-hmm. in their own lands. This is someone who's come out of the American Civil War. Yeah, another hero of the American Civil War. Mm. And he, Custer told his men that they'd be able to find Sitting Bull and they'd be able to drive him away. And that they would do this in and around the area of Little Bighorn. Um, they were unaware of how many Native Americans were around in that area. Okay. So, 
by the 25th of June in 1876, there were scouts for the Native Americans going around and seeing where the, all the white Americans were. So they were aware of what was going on. And Custer was trying to be tactical. And he was tactical in the way in which he was going to go about this. He was going to separate his troops into three different bands. And they were going to come from different areas and encircle the kind of group, mm-hmm. which were at the bottom of these two hills so kind of keep them in They're one area surround them surround them and then slaughter them that was their aim um and the sioux were taken by surprise men women and children staggered out of lodges within minutes crazy horse was leading a counter-attack custer outnumbered them four to one um, white soldiers weapons though unfortunately overheated and they jammed so their weapons were basically useless unlike the arrows that the Sioux were using. And Mm. they wanted to fight because they were going to fight for their land, everything. They had everything to fight for. The white Americans didn't. They were there to attack, Mm. whereas these people were trying to protect their lands. So they basically were firing their bows and arrows. Did they underestimate the Native Americans potentially? Mm. And they couldn't use some of the weapons that they wanted to. They had these um, really large repeating kind of artillery fire kind of guns machine guns yeah sort of uh, early forms of yeah and but they couldn't use it where they were and it's really hard to maneuver that gun mm. so they couldn't use that the cavalry horses became frightened of the bows and arrows that were firing at them um and therefore they bucked and reared which meant that those shots that were successful at being fired that hadn't jammed well, they were being shot up into the air because the horse was bucking and rearing. So they were really not kind of firing very well. Custer realised his mistake and ordered a retreat. Um, so he's outnumbered, Custer, four to one. He's got Crazy Horse, who's a fantastic kind of leader of the Native Americans. You've got Sitting Bull as well, who's kind of this beacon of hope. And his men turn on their horses and flee up the slopes. Mm. But the Sioux close in for the kill. They chase them. Yeah. Chase them down. Um, White Bear, who is a person that is recorded to have said something about this battle, he described the hand-to-hand struggle with one of the Custer's men, and he said he drew his pistol. I wrenched it out of his hand and struck it with struck him with it three or four times on the head, shot him in the head and fired his heart. That was a good fight. In a matter of minutes, everything was over. Custer was dead, along with all of his troop. And that was wow. that last sand hill. Hmm. Now, the so way they're very they're... aggressive fighters. Yeah. They're defending their lands. Hmm. They're defending what they believe is rightfully theirs. Hmm. Over, over the time, they know they're being... They're under threat of being attacked as well. So they're probably trained quite hard in case their whole there life... was this kind of... So within Native American culture, like... The Sioux in particular, they've got a warrior culture. Mm. So young boys will train from very young to be the best warriors. It shows honour and respect. So, yeah. But they've been doing that as part of their culture. Mm. It's inherent within them. Mm. And I think to go into their lands and be so confident that you're going to win in a foreign land, which you don't know, and not to know the numbers that you're trying to Feet, well, they underestimated them definitely. Definitely, and I think they—they they probably even thought, to... yeah, we, we've got guns, artillery, that kind of thing. They've yeah. got bow and arrow. Yeah, know. and I mean they do have some guns. I think they forget about the fact that they did have some guns. Mm. 
but yeah wow there you go that's interesting and I'm definitely watching a documentary or some kind of film it's about really that later good. on and the way in which the Americans depict it is, it's fascinating it's something really to look at um, but obviously they won that battle but they don't win the war no after that battle unfortunately the US attitude towards Native Americans increases in its severity um, and unfortunately we're going to see them being moved more and more so into the reservation system Reservation so, uh, system. Yeah. So the reservations, they're not asked to leave. Um, it confines them into a space, and as we've previously said, not got great farming. They're not able to be able to live really on those reservation system. Mm. And unfortunately, the Native Americans are almost pushed into an area where they don't have any ability to be able to live properly. We've also got the Native Americans, unfortunately, losing some of their culture with the buffalo because of those trains that were being brought across they brought buffalo hunters and those buffalo hunters hunted the buffalo almost to extinction mm. so the Native American culture is completely gone they're not allowed out of the reservations even if they were allowed out of the reservations the buffalo's pretty much decimated because remember the Native Americans would have used every part of that buffalo and that would have lasted them for quite a long time the Americans are killing it for fun mm. Taking away their food source. Yeah. Um, I think it's by 1880, 16 million kilos of buffalo bones alone have been sent to the east to become fertiliser. Gives you an idea of the scale. Mm. And I think it was like 3 million buffalo were killed by white hunters by 1883. Mm. So buffalo's pretty much gone. Yeah. In a few years with Americans building the railway. Mm. So... Yeah, not not the best end really for the Native Americans. Um, they're in the reservation system. They're not allowed to leave. They get poor supplies, lack of medicine, lack of food. Mm. They, the white Americans set up groups like the Friends of the Indian, who campaign for the rights of Native Americans, um, with their aim to help educate them and to make them into better citizens. <laughs> improve themselves yeah and by 1887 the policies of the front of the indians were changing the lives of native americans they did kind of help to try and find the corrupt agents of americans who were trying to reduce the amount of food that they were able to get um they did set off schools for the native americans but unfortunately those schools there's a lot coming out about the schools now um they encouraged use of different names so they wouldn't call them like sitting bull or crazy horse mm. they gave them their own names like I can't even remember an example Dave Logan but yeah Christian <laughs> names to give to these people mm. which had absolutely no meaning for them the reason behind each of the Native American names has symbolic reasons there's reasons behind their names there's quite important reasons they've completely forgotten that um I think there's an example of a child which was called Standing Bear and he said he's now called Luther Standing Bear he was told to point at a name and select a name and he just pointed at one from a chart yeah Mm. and so he's Luther but he has no attached to that name at all he Mm. doesn't care for it so basically their citizenship their life everything's changing so as a result there was a new religion that was set up for the Native Americans they set it up and it was called the Ghost Dance 
Okay, and that was in the 1890s, and unfortunately, um, the ghost dance, it swept through Native American culture. The aim was that they would dance to try and provide and get rid of the white Americans to rid the land and bring back the buffalo. That was what they were dancing for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was obviously really popular. A spiritual sort of dance. Spiritual dance with that hope and that the land would just go back to what it had been. Mm. But this scared the white Americans, this dance, and as a result, um, they actually shot Sitting Bull. Um, they then took the ghost dancers on a kind of march, and they took them to a place called Wounded Knee. No, the ghost dancers were at Wounded Knee, and I think you might have seen the book title Wounded Knee Massacre. No, bury my heart at wounded knee. Ah, oh, it's a great book. Um, what happened was the Native Americans were defenceless. They were ghost dancing, so they weren't there to do violence. Um, but it very quickly turned violent, and unfortunately, the ghost dancers were shot. And it's a big massacre, and it's called the Wounded Knee Massacre. Hmm. And unfortunately, they were bodies were just loaded into a mass grave and I think there was about 250 that died right. mostly women and children there were some men hmm. and it, it that is kind of almost like their ghost dance was part of their culture that changed so much because everything that they had known was gone so hmm. unfortunately that's the way that it almost got to and so by the 1890s the land that they own is gone they're in reservations the buffalo that they hunted is gone everything that they've known is gone and when they're doing a new part of their religion Mm. they're killed for it it's it's an unfortunate way to end that kind of unit almost Mm. so yeah native american culture unfortunately it was at its height prior to the white americans visiting Mm. sorry it was another depressing Episode. Oh, it's a depressing end. It's a depressing end. Yeah, it was depressing most of the way through. <laughs> yeah. Um, small victories in there for the Native Americans. Yeah, but Battle of Little Bighorn victory. Generally, they were squeezed squeezed out of their own lands, and then squeezed out again of their own lands. Of the new lands that they'd managed the to new, create. Of the new lands <laughs> and their old lands. And their old lands. Um, okay. Well, there's like I said, there's plenty of documentaries and films about that. Yep. So I think I'm um, going to do so some books. more research. And books as well. Mm. Okay. Well. Hopefully that brings some light in this lockdown moment. Absolutely. Nice and cheery. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll try and find something happy. Uh, yeah, it's not history, is it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Would you say history's a happy place? Depends not what you're studying. Not really. Majority, no. <laughs> ah, Cool. Okay. History Thank fun. you very much for that. That was interesting, informative, and... Slightly depressing. Slightly depressing as well. I wish it was a happier story for them. I really do. Yeah. Oh. History doesn't always turn up with happy endings, though. No. I mean, now they've got Donald Trump. Take that as you will. Okay, and on that note... <laughs> and on that note... Time to end. Time Thank you for listening to 
Two steps back. Two steps back. <laughs> I didn't do it at the beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah. A podcast all about history. Woo! And thank you for listening. Hope you tune in next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.